إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So in today's chapter we're looking at the chapter regarding the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, أَفَأَمِنُوا مَكْرَ اللَّهِ فَلَا يَأْمَنُوا مَكْرَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ Are they secure and safe from the plan of Allah? Indeed none feels safe and secure from the plan of Allah except the losers. This particular chapter is talking about this issue of makrullah, the planning of Allah, and that a person who thinks that he is safe and secure, and that no harm will ever come to him, then this individual has deceived himself. Here al-Sheikh al-Fawzan he says, مَكْرُ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى هُوَ إِيصَالُ الْعُقُوبَةِ إِلَى مَنْ يَسْتَحِقُّهَا مِنْ حَيْثُ لَا يَشْعُرُ The fact that Allah punishes someone in a manner from an angle that the person never expected it. Somebody who maybe transgressed or maybe was upon oppression, and the punishment of Allah comes to him in a manner that he never expected, from an angle that he never anticipated. This is the plan of Allah, makrullah. وَهُوَ عَدْلٌ مِّنْهُ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى And this is absolute justice from Allah. This is justice from Allah. Because as it is mentioned in the Qur'an, وَمَكَرُوا مَكْرًا وَمَكَرْنَا مَكْرًا وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ Allah says in the Qur'an that they planned with their plots and plans. And Allah planned in a manner that they do not perceive. So the disbelievers, the mushrikeen, the munafiqeen, they make their plans and they make their plots. Yet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He plans against them, then it is with absolute justice. It is with justice that this planning occurs. Because these types of terms, these types of terms, they are not terms that are used as the names of Allah. You do not say, that one of the names of Allah is Al-Makir. It is not to be said that one of the names of Allah is the planner. But in a restricted manner, it can be said upon an informative context, that when they planned against Allah, then Allah planned upon them. 
in a manner that they did not perceive. And the plan of Allah upon them was in absolute justice. There is no injustice whatsoever. So here it is referring to that. وَمَكَرُوا وَمَكَرَ اللَّهُ وَاللَّهُ خَيْرُ الْمَاكِرِينَ That they planned, they planned and they plotted, and Allah is the best of planners. قَالَ تَعَالَى Similarly Allah said, وَمَكَرُوا مَكْرًا وَمَكَرْنَا مَكْرًا وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ فَالْمَكْرُ فِي حَقِّ اللَّهِ سُبْحَانَهُ وَتَعَالَى عَدْلٌ وَجَزَاءٌ يُحْمَدُ عَلَيْهِ So the planning of Allah is praiseworthy. It is upon justice, the plan that Allah uh, places upon a people or a group of people for their actions and what they did. That is in absolute justice upon them what is decreed upon them. With this topic, the scholars have mentioned, related to these types of issues to understand them. When we talk about the names of Allah, and we know that Allah has many names, mentioned in the ahadith, in the Qur'an, Allah has many names. And they are not limited to just 99 either. That is a mistake that people think the names of Allah are only 99. There are more. The names of Allah are beyond that. And we don't have an absolute figure. Because Allah has not told us all of His names yet. And that is in the sunnah. There are ahadith which indicate to us and they tell us that there are names of Allah we do not know yet. So we are unaware of the exact amount of the names of Allah. We cannot say they are restricted to 99. But with regards to the names of Allah... There are four categories that you must bear in mind. There are four things that need to be remembered when talking about the names of Allah. There are some names, or there are some words, now talking about it linguistically. Linguistically, there are some types of words that indicate absolute perfection. There are certain words that indicate absolute perfection. Those types of words, those types of names are from the names of Allah then. Because Allah said, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَادْعُهُ بِهَا That indeed to Allah are the most perfect and beautiful of names. So call upon Him via those names. So the names or the words that indicate absolute perfection without any type of deficiency at all, then they are from the names of Allah. Like Al-Alim, the one who is all-knowing of everything, has knowledge of every single thing, past and present and future, and even those things that never occurred. Suppose they were to occur, Allah knows how they would have occurred if they had occurred, and they never occurred. Supposing if they had occurred, Allah knows exactly how they would have occurred and what would have happened. And they never even occurred in reality. That is the knowledge of Allah. Not just past, present and future of things that actually occur, but things that are only assumptions. If something had occurred, how would it have gone down? How would it have occurred? What would have happened? Allah knows exactly the details of all of that too. And they are things which never even occurred. So the knowledge of Allah encompasses every single thing. 
the ayah where it speaks about There is not a single leaf that falls down of any tree on the face of the earth except that Allah is aware of it. Consider the number of trees on the face of the earth. How many trees are there altogether? Billions and millions and zillions and trillions. Then imagine how many leaves are on all of those trees. Multiply those trillions by more trillions. A single leaf, any leaf of any tree on the face of the earth, a leaf drops off it. It is mentioned in the tafsir of Imam Al-Qurtubi. Allah knows which leaf has fallen off which tree on the earth. Maybe in the middle of the Amazon rainforest, places where people have never stepped foot, a leaf falls off in the darkness. It is mentioned, Allah knows which leaf falls off which tree, when, how long it flutters in the air, and where it lands exactly on the ground. That is the all-encompassing knowledge of Allah. So this is absolute perfection. To have that all-encompassing absolute knowledge of everything. Hence, Al-Alim is one of the names of Allah. Al-Samir, Al-Basir, the all-hearing, the all-seeing, that Allah sees every single thing, hears every single thing. Nothing is hidden from Him, nothing is concealed from Him. He is aware of all of those affairs, whatever language it may be. Whatever dialect it may be, whether it is whispered and quietly, whether it is spoken out loud, whether the people are all speaking together at once, all of that is heard by Allah and all of that is seen by Allah. This is perfection. As-Sami' al-Basir. So these types of names, these words, these indicate absolute perfection. Hence they are from the names of Allah. Then there is another category. Words which also indicate perfection, but not absolute perfection. Words that indicate perfection, but not at the limit and pinnacle and peaks of perfection. An example of that would be the ability to speak. The ability to speak is an ability of perfection. How do we know that? Because if you can't speak, that is a deficiency. If you can't speak, it's a deficiency in a person. We know that from the Qur'an itself. We know from the Qur'an itself that the lack of ability to speak is a deficiency. How do we know that? Because Ibrahim alayhi salam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, the second best prophet and messenger, when he was debating with his people, and explaining to them the impermissibility of worshipping those idols. One of the arguments he used against them, to prove to them the futility of worshipping these idols, he said to them, these idols of yours can't even speak. They can't speak. That's in the Quran. That was one of the arguments used against the worship of those idols, that they can't even speak. So that in the Qur'an indicates to us the lack of ability to speak. Lack of speech is a deficiency. Hence, the ability to speak is obviously something which is a perfection. It's an attribute, a characteristic of perfection in a person that he can speak. The one who cannot speak, then this is a deficiency in that person. So speech is perfection. 
But it is not absolute perfection. Why? Because even though the characteristic, the ability to speak is perfection, what you do with that speech and the associated consequences of that speech, will they always be praiseworthy or not? Maybe not. A person may speak and he swears. A person may speak and he lies. A person may speak and he deceives. So the associated consequences of speech could sometimes be dispraiseworthy. And of course they could be praiseworthy for the one who uses his speech in the worship and remembrance and recitation and dua. That's praiseworthy. But somebody may use his speech for dispraiseworthy things. So even though the ability to speak is perfection, the associated consequence or end result of it is not always perfection. It could be dispraiseworthy if you use it for a dispraiseworthy way. Hence, the ability to speak is perfection, but the name, the speaker, is not given to Allah as a name. We do not say that one of the names of Allah is the speaker. Because Allah speaks. We know Allah speaks. That is perfection as we've said, the ability to speak. And it is one of the attributes of Allah that He speaks. Allah spoke the Qur'an. But do we say that one of the names of Allah is that He is therefore the speaker, al-mutakallim? You do not. Why? Because like we've just said, this is an example of where the ability itself is perfection. But the consequence of it in the end, in how we understand it, may not be praiseworthy. Of course, with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is always going to be praiseworthy. But because the understanding of the word has an association or a connection to it that can be dispraiseworthy, people can use their speech for dispraiseworthy things, the, the consequences of what come out from their speech, hence it is not attributed to Allah as an absolute name. But you can just say that Allah speaks without saying that Allah is the speaker. Then there's a third category. A third category of names or words that in of themselves they have a praiseworthy and dispraiseworthy connotation. They have a praiseworthy and dispraiseworthy meaning in of themselves. So what's the difference between that and what we've just said? What we've just said was words which in of themselves are perfection. But the associated consequence could be praiseworthy or dispraiseworthy. Here now in this third category we're talking about words which in of themselves can be praiseworthy and can be dispraiseworthy. Not that their associated consequence is the issue here. It's the words themselves. They could be praiseworthy, they could be dispraiseworthy. So these types again, you do not associate them to Allah as names. Because they have some praiseworthiness in them, they have some dispraiseworthiness in them. So you wouldn't attribute and put those types of names to Allah, if there is a meaning of dispraiseworthiness in them as well. Then there is the fourth category, which are words, and this is where this comes in, makara. وَمَكَرُوا وَمَكَرَ اللَّهِ That they planned and Allah planned. Planning. Is that something praiseworthy or dispraiseworthy? You say, that guy, he was making his plans all night. He was planning all night till Fajr. Is that praiseworthy or dispraiseworthy? Could be any. 
he might have been sat there all night till Fajr making the plans of how to build the mosque. That's praiseworthy then. Or he might have been sat there all night deciding how he's going to get revenge on someone and how he's going to do this and do that. This praiseworthy. So the actual word itself could mean either. I could say that to you now, he was up all night planning away till Fajr. But what was he planning away? Maybe he was making his drawings for how the mosque is going to be extended. Alhamdulillah, he was planning in good. Praiseworthy planning. Or maybe he was sat there planning on how to take them down, this particular group of people or that one, or take revenge on these or kill that one. This praiseworthy planning. So planning in of itself, the actual act can be praiseworthy or dispraiseworthy depending. So therefore, this type of word or name, the planner, you wouldn't say as a name of Allah, you wouldn't say Allah is the planner. Because that word has a connotation directly linked to it, which can be evil. So you don't attribute those types of words to Allah, even though of course, that is in our context. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is not evil. But in our context, a person can be planning in evil. Hence, we don't attribute the word to Allah in the first place. Then, but you can explain it in context. You can say in context that the kuffar and the mushrikeen, they planned against Allah. So Allah planned against them in justice and decreed upon them their just rewards. So that planning that occurred upon them was just, and it was justifiable, and it was not upon any type of oppression. So that is praiseworthy. So you can explain that in the context in this way, that Allah planned against them, but not as a name that Allah is the planner. Then there is a fourth category of words, and they are the words which indicate absolute. The first category was absolute perfection. Second category was perfection in of themselves, but an associated ambiguity. Third one was in of themselves ambiguity. Praiseworthy, dispraiseworthy. Fourth category, in of themselves absolutely just imperfection. Evil words altogether. And those obviously will not be associated to Allah. So here it is talking about this particular issue. That they planned and Allah planned upon them in a manner that they did not realize and they did not perceive. So these types of affairs, you can say that Allah did them, that Allah planned against them, but you only say that in the context of what is mentioned. That the kuffar and the mushrikeen were planning with their evil plans and plots, so Allah planned against them, decreed upon them a punishment from where they did not expect it to come from. Then the ayah says now, And this is the point now. Are they, or do they, the people, do they think they are safe and secure from the planning of Allah? Do people think they are safe and secure from the planning of Allah? Do they think they've got so much in their own ability that nothing could ever harm them? They think they are in absolute control of everything and no decree will come over them of any affliction. Do they feel safe and secure from the plan of Allah? That's what the ayah says. Then Allah says, فَلَا يَأْمَنُ مَكْرَ اللَّهِ No one would do that, would think themselves to be safe and secure from the plan of Allah, except for الْقَوْمُ الْخَاسِرُونَ Those who are in loss. The ones who are in loss, they have lost, they are not upon the correct way. They are the ones who will sit there thinking they are safe and secure and no harm could ever come to them. 
That is not how a person should be. Rather, a person should always be returning to Allah, asking Allah for firmness upon the religion. Have you not heard the statement of the Prophet ﷺ in the hadith? وَإِنَّ الْعَبْدَ لَيَعْمَلُ بِعَمَلِ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ حَتَّى مَا يَكُونُ بَيْنَهَا وَبَيْنَهُ إِلَّا ذِرَاعٍ فَيَصْبِقُ عَلَيْهِ الْكِتَابِ فَيَعْمَلُ بِعَمَلِ أَهْلِ النَّارِ فَيَدْخُلَهَا That a person, maybe he acts, his worship and the actions that he does, they are actions that are such, they will enter you into paradise. He does the good and the righteous actions all the time. But then in the hadith it says, maybe something occurs to him. Some decree happens, he makes some choices that are evil, ends up doing something evil, some shirk or something at the end of his lifetime, and actually ends up in the hellfire. Maybe 70, 80 years of his life upon worship and righteousness, but then he does some shirk at the end of his life, ends up in hellfire. And the same is the opposite. وَإِنَّ الْعَبْدَ لَيَعْمَلُ بِعَمَلِ أَهْلِ النَّارِ حَتَّى مَا يَكُونُ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَهُ إِلَّا ذِرَاعٍ فَيَصْبِقُ عَلَيْهِ الْكِتَابِ فَيَعْمَلُ بِعَمَلِ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ فَيَدْخُلَهَا That maybe a person, all of his life, spends his life doing evil actions, evil uh, behavior, haram, wrongdoing. But then at the end of his life, his heart is opened up. Allah gives him the guidance. His heart is opened up and enlightened. He repents, he seeks forgiveness, and he goes to tawheed and worship and prayer, and dies upon that at the end of his life, even if it was the final week of his life. Then he'll be forgiven, and all of that shirk and whatever he was on upon his life, he'll be forgiven for it. Islam wipes out and conceals all of that which came before it. When a person accepts Islam, his previous life is all forgiven. And he starts fresh, as a Muslim, new, start your righteous action, start your worship. And the same for a Muslim. If a Muslim was doing wrong before, and he was upon evil, drugs, smoking, whatever it might be, you make sincere tawbah. Sincerely repent to Allah. Sincerely seek forgiveness from Allah. And make a firm decision, you're never gonna go back to that type of lifestyle again. And you start afresh, then that is a fresh start. As the hadith says, your repentance, it blocks what came before it. So all of those evil actions, whatever you might have been doing, you make a sincere repentance and you drop them completely. And you regret having been on that lifestyle. And you start afresh, then that tawbah, it blocks off all of that previous, whatever you were doing. And now you start afresh upon your worship and your obedience and upon righteousness. So here... Now it goes on to mention, أَفَأَمِنُوا مَكْرَ اللَّهِ So a person should never think that he's safe and secure. Should never think that he's sound and safe and secure and no evil will ever come to him or his heart would never become misguided. He thinks, I know Islam. I pray my prayers. How would I ever be misguided? A person should never think in that way. The Prophet ﷺ used to make dua all the time. يَا مُقَلِّبَ الْقُلُوبِ ثَبِّتْ قَلْبِ عَلَى دِينِكَ Oh Allah, the one who changes the hearts of the people. Keep my heart firm upon your religion. The one who changes the hearts of the people. Keep my heart firm upon your religion. Imagine even Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam too. The second best prophet and messenger after the Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu no other prophet and messenger was better than him. Yet he made the dua as it is mentioned in the Quran. He made the dua to Allah for what? Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Janubani, Wabaniya, 
He made the dua to Allah and he said, O oh my Lord, protect me, save me, keep me away, and my family away, my lineage away, my offspring from worshipping the idols. Why? Because those idols, that shirk has misguided many people. So Ibrahim alayhi salam, imagine Khalilullah, the most beloved of Allah with the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi Yet he is making dua to Allah, keep me safe and secure away from that shirk. He is not saying, I'm sound, I'm safe, the second best messenger, how would I ever do that? Even though we know the prophets and messengers would never fall into shirk. The prophets and messengers cannot fall into shirk. Allah guarded them from that. Yet he is making the dua, keep me firm away from that. And that's Ibrahim alayhi salam. The salaf, they said, if Ibrahim alayhi salam, with his status and his rank, is making dua to Allah for safety and security and firmness upon the religion, so that he does not fall into that misguidance, then what therefore of the rest of us who are not even comparable at all to Ibrahim salam? If he is making that dua to Allah, oh Allah keep me firm and safe and secure from those idols in the shirk, then what should we be doing? Making that dua and asking Allah for firmness all the time. Hence Allah said in the Quran, يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقَوْلِ ثَابِتِ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ That Allah makes firm, يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Those who have iman, He makes them firm, يُثَبِّتُ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا بِالْقَوْلِ الثَّابِتِ With a strong, firm, upright statement, فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا In this world, by guiding them and keeping them upon the upright way, the ones who have iman and action, وَفِي akhirati And in the hereafter. How will a person be upright and guarded and safe in the hereafter? In the grave when a person dies and the angels they come to ask every person the questions of the grave. Who was your Lord? Who is your Lord? Who is your Prophet? What is your religion? مَنْ رَبُّكَ وَمَا دِينُكَ وَمَنْ نَبِيُّكَ These questions will be asked. So Allah will keep the believers firm in being able to give the correct answers. As for those who did not care, and those who did not learn, and those who did not accept that truth, then when these questions are asked of them in the grave, then they will fail to answer. When the question is asked, who is your Lord? Then they do not have a response. And what is your religion? And who is your prophet? They will say, Ahi, ahi, la adri. Sami'atu nasa yaquluna shay'a faqultu. They will say, I don't know, I don't know. I heard people saying something, I don't know. Because they were not upon that truth and they did not accept. Hence, a person never feels safe and secure thinking I'm sound. I know my religion, I pray five times a day. What harm could ever come to me? That is not the way of the believer how he thinks. Rather, you ask Allah for forgiveness always for your shortcomings. And you ask for safety and security and to remain firm upon that religion. Then the Sheikh mentions an example. He says, Allah mentioned in the Quran, 
وما أرسلنا في قرية من نبي إلا أخذنا أهلها بالبأساء والضراء لعلهم يضرعون بالبأساء والضراء الله mentions that the nations of people who came before us those people those nations who came before us they had placed upon them afflictions and trials and tribulations they had the afflictions and the trials and the tribulations like famine and drought and illness and disease these types of things occurred to them these types of trials and tribulations occurred to them يَفْعَلُ اللَّهُ ذَلِكَ بِهِمْ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَدْعُونَهُمْ يَدْعُونَهُ Allah placed these trials upon them so that they would take some admonition of that and they would return to Allah and make dua to Him. وَلَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْجِعُونَ إِلَى اللَّهِ وَيَتُوبُونَ So that maybe they would return to Allah and seek forgiveness. وَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّمَا أَصَابَهُمْ بِسَبَبِ ذُنُوبِهِمْ And that they may come to recognize that the difficulties and the trials and the tribulations that overcame them, they overcame them as a consequence of what their own hands earned for themselves. ظَهَرَ الْفَسَادُ فِي الْبَرِّ وَالْبَحْرِ بِمَا كَسَبَتْ أَيْدِ النَّاسِ Allah said in the Qur'an, the corruption has occurred upon the land and the sea due to what the hands of the people have earned for themselves. Hence the scholars, they say, whenever some difficulty overcomes you, some stress, some grief, some hardship in your life, some situation, the first thing you should look at is yourself. Have you been sinning? Have you been wronging? Have you been doing haram? If you've been doing all of those things, then do not be surprised that some difficulty has overcome you in your life. Examine yourself first for your own shortcomings. Don't say such and such wronged me and he did this to me and he did that to me and he's the one causing me these problems. Look at yourself first, the scholars they say, Ibn Taymiyyah mentioned it. If you are a person who is a sinner and you do wrong and you don't fulfill the obedience and the worship and the prayer and all of these affairs, then why sit there and say this person and that person yourself? You have been transgressing and you've been doing wrong and you've been oppressing and you haven't been practicing the religion, then where do you expect that you live a sound and happy life? The happy life and the contentment of the heart, it comes through the fulfillment of the obligations to Allah. Hence the scholars say, when difficulties overcome you, the first stage is look at yourself. If you are a person who is sinning and wronging, sort that out first. Rectify yourself, stop your sinning, do all of your worship, do the obligations. Hence Allah said in the Qur'an, وَمَنْ يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ Whomsoever fears Allah, fulfills the obligations, stays away from the prohibitions, they are the ones who Allah will make them a way out. He will make them an exit, an escape from the difficulty they are in. فَإِنَّ مَعَ الْعُسْرِ يُسْرَى Indeed, with difficulty comes ease, Allah mentioned in the Qur'an. And that is all for the one. Or what is part of that, is that an individual needs to demonstrate patience. And he needs to understand, he needs to rectify his own self. You cannot be upon wronging and transgression and oppression. And then expect everything to be good for you. If some difficulty overcomes you, then it may well be due to your own sinning that you have been doing. So here then he mentions that the previous nations, they had these trials overcome them. 
But Allah also gave them blessings. They were given many blessings, again as a trial. Because sometimes the test can be not just the hardships and the droughts and the famine. A test can sometimes be that a group of people are given blessings upon blessings. That is the test upon them to see whether they will return to Allah and thank Allah for these blessings or not. A test for people sometimes may be that they are given many blessings to see what they will do with those blessings. See what they will do with what Allah has given them. Will they be grateful to Allah and thank Allah and use those blessings in obedience and worship? Or will they use those blessings to oppress and to transgress and to do wrongdoing? So it's mentioned those previous nations on occasion, Allah gave them the blessings, again as a test, as a trial. Because after those blessings then, when they didn't rectify themselves, then the trial of hardship and difficulty overcame them. So when that occurred, it is mentioned that they said, وَقَالُوا قَدْ they said these kinds of things, they happen. Even our forefathers and those who came before us, they used to have difficulties and trials and tribulations upon them. Sometimes they would have these difficulties and sometimes they would be relaxing and in blessing. These are just habitual things that occur. Hence, they were not attributing all this to Allah. They were saying this is just mother nature. You sometimes have goodness, you sometimes have badness. This is just the way of the world. They were not attributing this to the decree of Allah or to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then it is mentioned, فَأَخَذْنَاهُمْ بَغْتَةً وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ That then Allah took them in a surprise, in a manner that they were not expecting whatsoever. A great calamity befell them from a manner that they were not anticipating whatsoever. وَهُوَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَخَذَهُمْ فِي مَأْمَنِهِمْ حَيْثُ لَمْ So when they were relaxing and they were at ease, and they thought they were safe and secure, and what could possibly go wrong right now, then all of a sudden from where they were not even anticipating, in a manner they were not even expecting, suddenly the trial overcame them and destroyed them. And this is mentioned regarding the nations that passed by. And in this therefore is a warning for us. Do not be deceived. If you are a person that has been given many blessings, Allah has given you many blessings, different types of blessings, then do not be deceived. Do not think that you are blessed and you are safe and you are sound and you've got everything. And that may cause you to become negligent of thanking Allah and showing your gratitude to Allah. And that is through obedience and worship. And so a person may not be obedient and do the worship to Allah. Thinking I've got all these blessings, I've got everything, everything sound. And he becomes negligent of worship and obedience and prayer and religion. And he becomes engrossed in all of the blessings and the wealth he has. So that is something that is a disaster for this person. Rather, a person should not be upon that way. He should be upon a way whereby he understands and he realizes that you do not feel safe and secure from the plan of Allah. You always ask Allah to keep you firm and you thank Allah for the blessings you have. And one of the ways of doing that 
is to increase your worship and your obedience to Allah. Your obedience and worship to Allah is a sign that you are grateful and you are thankful. Look at the example of the Prophet ﷺ. He used to pray in the night. So long, he would stand praying, like we say the taraweeh prayer. That's in Ramadan and out of Ramadan. Any night of the year, right now you can pray after Isha taraweeh if you want. All year it's sunnah to do it. It's not just Ramadan. So the Prophet ﷺ used to pray. He used to pray that tahajjud outside of Ramadan, the normal nights of the year. And he used to pray so long at night that his feet would become swollen and blistered from standing up. In some nights it is mentioned he would stand for approximately eight hours. Approximately eight hours. Now even in the winter when you pray taraweeh, maybe two hours they do it in the masjid. Two and a half hours maybe in the winter when Isha 7.30, 8 o'clock. Eight hours it's mentioned about the Prophet ﷺ on some nights. Seven hours, six hours, five hours. Surah Al-Baqarah, the whole of it in one raka'ah. Surah Al-Nisa, Surah Ali Imran, at the beginning of the Qur'an, you know how long the surahs are. The Prophet would recite them all in the raka'ah, in the prayer. So this is how the Prophet used to pray. When he did that, and his feet were swelling and they were blistering, it was said to him, why to this level? When your sins have been forgiven anyway, your past and your future sins, all of them have been forgiven anyway, O Messenger of Allah. So why to this level of worship? He said what? Bearing this in mind that all of the sins of the Prophet have been forgiven, past and future. He said, well, should I not be a grateful servant to Allah then? Should I not be a thankful servant to Allah then? If this is the position Allah has given me, and this is the blessing Allah has given him, the final messenger, the best of creation. He says, should I not be grateful to Allah then? Should I not be grateful to Allah, and thankful to Allah, and pray in this way? This was the response the Prophet ﷺ gave, when he was asked, why to this level of worship, and you've been forgiven anyway? He said, should I not be grateful? Should I not be thankful? So an individual who has been given the blessings, what is required of him is, to show this gratefulness, and to show this thankfulness, and to not think that he's been given these blessings, and he's been given this safety and security, and that he is absolutely safe now, no problem will ever come to him, no trial will ever come to him. The person who thinks in that way, he is from the losers, as Allah mentioned. Rather you are constantly to be upon the dua to Allah, and asking Allah to forgive your sins. That's where we'll have to conclude tonight. But inshallah ta'ala, there's more in this chapter to come yet. We'll carry on with it from the next lesson, which will now be in two weeks' time. Next week, as you're aware, is the conference in Birmingham. So all of these topics, various issues, various lectures are going to happen in Birmingham next week for three days, from Friday to Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend coming up now. Friday 7th, Saturday 8th, and Sunday 9th of August, in Birmingham Small Heath, at the Salafi Masjid, three days of lectures, uh, five or six lectures per day, some tele-links with some of the scholars, inshallah. So that event will be this weekend coming up. Uh, so that is where everyone should make a real effort to go. You should make a real effort to go, even if it's for the day, to make a day visit, then it will be extremely beneficial for you. To go to an event like that, with hundreds, thousands of Muslims will be there, 
for the various lectures that will be going on, the various topics, the various things that you'll hear and you'll learn in the space of that weekend. And even outside of the lectures, when you go, the stalls and the books you can buy and everything, it's all beneficial. So it's a good event that everybody should strive to go. You'll be enlightened. You'll see, you'll see things you've not seen before from these types of events when the Muslims come together and the Qur'an and the Sunnah is being spoken of. So you should make a real effort to go next weekend. And this will be postponed. And the weekend after then, we'll come back insha'Allah and we'll carry on from where we've just left off. Uh, at the same time, 8 p.m. insha'Allah in two weeks time then.